Already. The clap. The clap. August Shield. Hey, man. Luke. Thanks for being on, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. I know it's it's been a been a minute. Um, yeah. But super super honored to be on the on the podcast in yeah. in my condition. Yeah, yeah, man. Shoot. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad, dude. I'm glad. Like we just kind of connected on Instagram because i you know I was thinking about it, but I know that you're usually hella busy this time of year with skiing and everything. Yeah, yeah. Usually I'm uh, you know starting you know the criticals of ski patrol. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, doing a lot of, spending a lot of time in the backcountry, and, uh, it's totally been a much different season this time around, just healing from an injury and then getting another injury Yeah, dude. and then getting surgery. And, um, here I am day two out of surgery. So oh, only day two. Yeah. Jeez. I had surgery on Thursday, probably got in about two o'clock. Um, and now it's only Saturday, so. Holy cow, man. Yeah, that was quick. I'm, God, I'm glad I caught you early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge, um, operation, just a, a knee scope. Oh, knee scope. Um, yep. So just a little, two little probes go in the knee, find the torn meniscus, cut out the ripped part and, oh. um, on I go. Oh, really? So. Yeah. Just, just take that piece out and, mm-hmm. and was it, uh, so like, was it like flaring your knee up, having that little chunk? Just Yeah. I essentially, I tore my meniscus five years ago skiing. Oh, um, you were living on that thing for five years, dude? Well, I tore it and then I had surgery on it and they actually did a repair oh. in that time. And, um, yeah, they pretty much go in and like, you know, so torn meniscus to torn meniscus, but a meniscus, there's no blood flow. Yeah. So it's just kind of like a wet noodle to a wet noodle. Oh. So, you know, that that operation got me through, um, you know, that whole past timeline of ski patrolling and firefighting until just a couple of weeks ago, I was, you know, dealing with the back injury and trying to stretch that out on the floor. And I'm on, I'm literally on the floor stretching and I tear it again. Oh, wow. Like that's literally, I was just doing like a cat cow thing. Yeah. You know, really hands and knees. Yeah. And I just rotated the wrong way and I felt to go. Oh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I felt like this protruding thing come up through my knee. I could see this, like, lump in my knee. I couldn't extend my knee all the way. I couldn't weight it. Bro. And I was, yeah, about to hop in a car to go to Colorado the next day for vacation. And it, it, it totally changed. Just blew that, the, blew that plans. Oh, oh well, I still went. Oh, you I did? Just, oh, I was good. just in pain the whole time. Yeah, I yeah. bet. It swell up too on you. Yep. Big swell. Um yeah, I was pretty much on crutches, and my back was out at the moment, too. I Like, my oh. back was all messed up. And yeah, because when I met you, your back was all messed up. Yep. Dang, mm. dude. Man, that's tough. Ro- yeah. Hey, man, the road of injury. It, uh, yeah. It is what it is. It's just a reminder to slow the heck down, I guess. Yeah, totally, mm-hmm. dude. And, and maybe that's a good segue into kind of what we were talking about just before this was, like, the push, you know. And, and I'm sure it's in other fields, but, like, you know, what I know is wildland and what, what we've been doing. and. Mm-hmm. Just that, like, it's fine. It's fine. You know, I'm fine. And then until it's not fine, you know? Yeah. And then, but that's the thing. It's like, I see so many people in the wildland fire world and in the ski patrol world and, you know, just kind of like the outdoor emergency, you know, operations world. They have an injury and they're just like, nope, I can't stop working right now. Yeah. And just push through it. You know, we had a couple guys on our crew. Um this season working on Bitterroot, who, you know, f- uh, foot injury and a shoulder injury and just kept working through it because it was the middle of the season. And it was just like inconvenient to not only them, but like the entire crew to like, yeah, stop working. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
Yeah, and, yeah, and we all tag on that here in a minute, but yeah, with the mm-hmm. shots, especially like, and and to everyone's you know wallet, you know, like your that's your paychecks, and halfway through the season, it's like I haven't made enough to make it through the off season, you right? Know? You know, and most of us, you know, we're we're the, you know, USDA's and the whole process of you know pushing people into perms, yeah, which I think is a good thing, um, but you know, as of right now, that transition's still in the early stages, and most of us are still seasonals, and so we're still on that seasonal health insurance, yeah, and that's not. You know, it's, 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 it's better insurance than most things, but it's still not great. No, you know, no. High yeah. deductibles and it only lasts until November 1st. I found out too late this year myself. Oh, dude. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it just, it just makes things expensive. It does. It makes things tough. And like, like mm-hmm. with me, the Crohn's, um, I was on Humira when I was a single, uh, a seasonal and, uh, I was trying to think of other drugs, but Humira was the big one. And mm-hmm. that, you know, it was like a couple grand for an injection. I was doing an injection a week and it's like without insurance, a couple grand. So it's like, Oh man, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. So I had a big like break in, in, um, in treatment because I was like, well, I'm just going to hang out. And like, I tried to eat really clean and figure out what I was going to do. And luckily like I got a hold of the Abvi, I think is the, the company that makes it. And they were able to do me like an assistant thing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. get it, you know, like you're laid off. So they were able to give me it for free actually, which was huge, but oh, like, that's big time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's like, you know, a couple grand a week. That's like, you know, almost half a fire check. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, and yeah, there's no way I was going to afford that then, you know, it was like, yeah. I think I was a GS four or five, you know, so were you like, jumping at the time? Uh, well, at one point I was, but I'd, yeah. I'd already like, for me, that, yeah, me, that was my first year jumping. I figured out the, the V program. Cause like, otherwise I'd just kind of go off my medication for the winter and oh, yeah. try to, you know, do what I could to manage it. You know, it's not like you jumpers make that much money anyways. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. That's yeah, man. Yeah. That first season, man. <laughs> it's like, that's it, huh? Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you're facing down the next, you know, five and a half months of unemployment and you're like, is this money really going to get me through? Yeah, totally dude. Yeah. That was, that was the. I think that was the only winter I didn't really work too. Cause like normally the nice thing about being the jump roll is a little easier to go down to region eight down South, you know, to, to right. those fire, those burn modules. And, uh, so I, I didn't pass those up too much when I, when I had the chance, but, mm-hmm. uh, that year we got furloughed. So that was like almost like salt in the wound. Cause we got furloughed in September or something. So it was kind of early. And mm-hmm. then like, it wasn't, you know, they took forever to sort that out, but, mm. but, uh, so yeah, no one, I want to skip over over anything there. Yeah, we kind of just jumped in. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't get a chance to do the intro. So, oh, like, it's all good. Yeah, we we can let's, we can totally yeah, back in, up if you want. Yeah, let's, let's back up. I'll mm-hmm. do the intro real quick for you. Like, so August Shield, uh, Bitterroot Hotshot, uh, originally from back east skiing, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, grew up in Minnesota. Grew up in Minnesota. Yeah. Oh man, I kept thinking of Vermont for some reason because I kept talking about Vermont. Well, everyone thinks Minnesota is the East Coast. Yeah, we can keep letting him think that. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll go with it. You yeah, know, you got Superior right there, so you yeah. got some coastline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so grew up in Minnesota. You're avid skier, and that's what brought you to Montana, right? Part mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. First skiing, then school, and then skiing again. Yeah, and Bozeman was originally your your mm-hmm. stopping port, right? Yep. Yep. I was in Bozeman for ten years. Um, did the whole you know college thing, um, and then sort of. Uh, got on to Yellowstone Club Ski Patrol after, oh, yeah. after school. Um, and after my first season patrolling, I needed something to kind of, you know, fit the puzzle. And um, I'd known about Wildland Fire for a long time, mostly through all the work I was doing in photojournalism, kind of when oh, I was yeah. still in school. And, um, yeah, that's kind of how I got the bug in Wildland Fire is I ended up photographing a fire um, 
one summer and after that just you know first season ski patrolling i had a whole summer open and i just shot out my application total shotgun yeah. you know style yeah. and three uc jobs yeah, yeah and but but i did that in like march you know oh yeah. like right as covid was consuming our world yeah and um there was a late hire in you know r6 and oh. i got on like a type 3 engine in, in um central washington and oh yeah um hopped in my truck and drove out there and rookie done a type three engine. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was great. That's, yeah, that's a great experience, man. Mm-hmm. Especially a type three, you know, something a little bigger and, you know, like a little bit, I feel like those bigger engines have a little more going on, you know, yeah. you gotta be more careful on these small like logging roads and totally. stuff. And let's be real. Type threes are sick. Like mm-hmm. they're just, they're just cool. They, they they're, they're like the tanks of the fire world. And dude, yeah. Like the big crew cab ones, man, like those mm-hmm. are sick. Yeah. And ours was like, ours was fancy, you know, it was, it, yeah, totally. It, it, I think it fit like five in the cab very oh, awesome. comfortably. Yeah. Um, and I remember just like rolling up to these major incidents in California, and you know, there's tons of other Type Threes, you know, from Cal Fire State or whatever that, whatever that yellow engine is yeah, all about. BLM and yeah. well, no, it's like a it's like a whole state thing. Like the California oh, state owns all these oh, engines and yeah. they just contract them out. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. To Cal Fire, super weird. That's weird. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how California works, and I've been doing this forever. Oh, it's, it's such a mess down there. It is. Um, but anyways, it's like I remember just like looking at our truck compared to the other ones, and it was just it had this huge lift on it. Like it looked mean. Like yeah. it had like all the extra bells and whistles and yeah, sweet and, lights. Uh, yeah, and like we you know we had a, a pretty fat module. I think we rolled with um, a mod of like seven. We had a chase truck oh, nice. and all that. So we kind of you know it was, a, it was a it was a really good amount of people to be exposed to fire. Yeah, um, like a good size, great crew, great leadership. Um, yeah, and that's a great model, too, because I know when I, back in 2016, when I went back to Whitehall to get my engine boss, like, the BBRD at least was pushing for more of a model like that, where it's like, you have your Type 6, but then you have a chase that comes along, too, so you get more bodies, because, man, if you if you only have, like, four folks, you know, someone's got to drive the engine, someone's got to work the radio, and then you have, like, maybe two folks to, like, manage the, the water and dig, you know, so it's, like, really not that efficient, you know, if you got a few more folks that are, they can go with you, and scout ahead, too, you know, like, yeah, we shouldn't take the engine down this road, you know, like, Oh, yeah. just hike up here and, and do some dry mopping, you know? Totally. And I see, like, all these, you know, contract resources running little Type 6 engines with just three people. And it's like, well, there's a reason why all you guys do is mop up, yeah. you know, and spray water. Because you don't have enough people to really make a huge difference. To, yeah, do much at all, yeah. man. Like, even just, like, scratching in some line, man, like, with three folks is, you know, depending on what the terrain is, can be pretty brutal, you know, or the yeah. vegetation, I guess. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, so the – are you still doing photography? Um. Yeah, I still, I've pretty much transitioned into shooting like only film. Oh, really? These days. Um, it's just more exciting. Yeah. To me, I kind of like the, the result you get. It's just so much more tactile. You know, you're working with like um, an actual medium of like film covered in chemicals and you're thinking about light and exposing that light to um, a piece of film differently. And it's so much more, like I'm, I'm thinking more critically while I'm taking an image, yeah. whereas like you know, I carry my digital camera on the fire line with me all summer. And, you know, as a rookie on a hotshot crew, I really didn't feel like I had the opportunity to shoot that much. I bet. I was just like, oh, I don't, don't want to get yelled at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, this was your first year? Yeah, this, oh, this was my rookie. first year on the on the hotshot crew. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, yeah, so, uh, yeah, still shooting a little bit, but mostly just, just kind of for fun. Oh, um, gotcha. It's mostly just photos of my truck. Yeah. You know. Which, um, are, which are awesome. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, and my lovely... Um, partner in crime, Kate. Yeah, she's just beautiful. So she's fun to photograph when yeah. she's out doing her thing. Totally makes it. Yeah, uh, makes it easy. You know. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, you know, big recovery season coming up for me. So I'm kind of excited to um, go back into some of my old images and rework some things. I like making photo books. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, man. Like yeah. that's, I think that's something that'd be kind of cool. I mean, I know I'd like to like, you know, travel around with something like that, you know, like almost like a coffee table book with mm-hmm. like some cool fire stuff in it or just outdoorsy stuff, you know, like, yeah. So I don't know if there, there'd be like a market for that, but I know like people like me, you know, would dig it. Yeah. And I really think there is, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I got all my coffee table books right here and, yeah. um, actually one of them, this one down here with no label on it. I actually made that one. Oh, really? Uh, back in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's about, uh, the old copper smelting plant in Anaconda. Oh, really? Yeah. It's pretty rad. That is rad. Uh-huh. You have to show me that. Yeah. I'll pop it out at some point here. Um, yeah. But you got like, took, uh, pictures of that big tower there, the smokestack and yeah, well, I'm mostly focused on like the like the slag heaps yeah the slag and like the environmental impact yeah um and i just kind of focused on like kind of like the the ruined portion um there's this you know to the west of town there's this place called old works it's actually really cool i think people like dirt bike and quad around out there yeah it's really sick but there's just like yeah old cobblestone um bits and pieces of old buildings all over the place there oh really and there's these old historic photos of like an actual town that was once there it's called carol oh wow. uh, this little town that was like the first town in um, the area that all the you know copper from butte was getting brought over and there was these three smelters um that they just weren't high enough right so you know they would they would smelt all this copper and all that you know smoke and debris would go up in the air and they would just like the fallout would just hit these um all these fields, oh. you know, to the west, and it was, it was just, you know, destroying all this cropland. Oh, man. And it just, you know, it um, re- relocated a lot of families. But, you know, the copper was king at that time, and yeah. uh, we kept producing more of it. And so then there was that, you know, the big washu smelter was put in, and that still wasn't high enough, so they had to put a whole top oh, really? onto that. That's why there's, oh. like, when you look at it from the interstate, it's two different colors. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. That's yeah. wild, dude. And, uh, yeah, and that was a school project. That was... That's, um, dude, that's really cool, man. Yeah, I think that was a uh, final project my junior year in this class called Landscape and Bookmaking. Um, that was really one, one of the best classes I, I took. Yeah, man, I really dig history. And I, you know, I've been driving through there since I was like a small kid you know like going skiing up discovery and like go to georgetown and like no idea you know you go past like those slag heaps you know the Mm -hmm. mounds of the black black sand and then uh the like you said the smelter and what's the name of it or the stack uh the washu smelter oh wow i had no idea man Mm -hmm. dang i know a guy who parachuted off of it no way yeah sick (laughs) how'd he get up there uh i think i think you could just walk in it and i i don't know hopefully i'm not like getting some folks to like go break in on a bit it's like hella illegal to get anywhere near it right now i know that's why i figured it i I think he did it before like it had any attention because i think like back in the day you'd see like kids like sledding down the sand the black sand stuff like when i was young so i think like before like no one really cared and uh he just he there's a ladder on the outside i think or no it was on the inside because he said like he was climbing up the inside or no wait I'm going to mess this up and I apologize, but I think it was on the outside. So he's uh-huh. playing with the outside and he had his, he had his uh, shoot on, you know, he had, like his sports shoot on just to, just in case he slept to maybe be able to survive the landing. Uh-huh. And, and I remember him telling me like he went inside and it was bumping cause it has like the safety little bars. So it was like bumping his pack as he was going up. Cause it's like a, it's like a circle pretty much with a ladder inside. Yeah. It. So he like went on the outside for a while and he said like, that thing is a few like screws that are into the masonry are not really secured anymore. So it was kind of a little, 
sketchy. Oh, I bet. And then on top, the weather has eroded the top a little bit, just like it would like a mountain top. So it's like gravelly on top. And he mm-hmm. says slippery, but he's like, it's super wide. So, I mean, he was comfortable, but you know, like he got a gust of wind and about blew him back into the thing. But he's like, it's so big. I could probably just pull my chute and just like do some circles all the way down <laughs> and like no <laughs> big deal. Inside. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, he, uh, he told me that story and I was like, we were in this, uh, I think we were in like Texas on a region eight module. He's a McCall jumper and mm-hmm. I'd heard about it. And so I kind of already knew like one of my other buddies who jumps with him, like you told me about him. So I was like, bro, you know, and, uh, yeah. he's like, you know, like not a big deal. You know, yeah, <laughs> I was like, that buddy. Yeah, I was like, that's yeah. cool, man. I don't know. Cause I think it's like pretty illegal to get anywhere close to it now. Oh, I, I mean, bet. it's just all like, you know, it's all mine tailings and chemicals and yeah little children sledding through that i know dude like <laughs> even as a kid i was like that doesn't seem good you know like i don't know anything about anything but i was like it just seems like a bad idea yeah and then you know like they had like uh i was like pbs montana or something did a, a special on like the amount of cancer probably in that community or that was just getting dusted mm-hmm. by all the all that chemical fallout you know oh totally yeah so yeah I like Anaconda, but I don't know if I'd move there just because all that. Yeah, no. Well, everyone's got a brand new lawn now. Cause, oh, really? Because the, um, yeah, because all that that uh, pollution pretty much messed up the gravel everywhere and destroyed oh. everyone's lawn. So oh. part of like the good deal for the company is, well, I don't remember what the company was called, but as that company left Anaconda, one of the last things they had to do was replace everyone's lawn. Oh. So you can get a house and it's got a brand new fancy green lawn. Hey, there you go, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> So whatever consolation that is. Yeah, yeah, as long, yeah, as long as you're getting like probably flooding that would bring it back to the surface, it's probably all right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Totally fine. Mm-hmm. Just don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That is the only downside of like mountainous areas. Like in uh, my intro to, um, geez, what's that chemistry that everyone um, buy? No, what's that really a hard chemistry that everyone always like has to take for like med school and stuff? Organic chemistry. Yeah, probably. OCHEM. Yep. Yeah. So organic chemistry, I taken it here and then. Um, right before COVID landed, I was just, um, taking courses to try to get into physical therapy. Cause I was going to go try to be a physical therapist here in Missoula. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I took OCHEM here and then my pre OCHEM, you know, I never thought I was going to go into it. So I just got like a C, I just was breezing through. And so I went back to, to bump up the GPA to have a better chance getting to school. But the professor I had down there was super cool. And he was like all about like the environment and stuff. So we did like, like carbon and like, pollution and just like the effect of like mining has had like especially in the united states and like back east which i didn't know and mm-hmm. like killing the water and stuff and then like started thinking about stuff here you know like with uh the clark fork and i don't know if you can still eat fish out of the clark fork yeah can. i don't think you're supposed to yeah. at least if you're west of butte you probably shouldn't yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i think so because like yeah, yeah the continental divide is kind of like a, a dam or something like a barrier so like kind of keeps all the bad uh, over on this side and, and everything east of there is supposed to be good i think and yeah, I mean, oh. I'm sure there's, there's, you know, their own, some sort of measurable pollution, you know, on the, in the Mississippi watershed that it's probably all agricultural runoff. Yeah. It's probably just as damaging. Oh, totally. Yeah. But, you know. That's a good point, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like all these big water reservoirs that like never even thought about as a kid. Now I'm thinking more about, and especially like the algae is like blooming more because of the runoff. It seems like. Oh yeah. You know, Latin, there's just like so many places in the U S now where there's a stagnant water where there was never stagnant water, Oh. you know, yeah. all those reservoirs and dams throughout Montana, you know, they do great benefits for the agricultural, um, folks in our state yeah but you know everything comes with a consequence i know man and, mm-hmm. and and older i get the more i like f- am 
uh, mixed emotions about it, I guess, because like, like the summer, I think I was telling you, I had the Smith river permit mm -hmm. and we got like a, just like a quick drought, you know, how it's been in like July. It's just like all of a sudden, like goes from like beautiful, normal Montana, like cooler seventies, you know, maybe tickling the eighties to like nineties to a hundred, like in a day and, yeah. you know, and just stays there for the rest of the summer. And happened to me, you know, like mid July or something. And the, so the, of course the ranchers and farmers start pouring the water of their fields to keep their crop going. And, mm -hmm. and I understand, but it's still like, man, that just dried up to Smith and I couldn't even float it this year, you know? Oh, that sucks. Yeah. yeah. And then such a hard permit to get. And it's like, oh man, we had a big plan going and mm -hmm. it, it worked out. We ended up going to Missouri and, and actually I was going to tell you, I did like a film on that, which I'm still like, I'm going to, I'm going to like put it on my channel, but yeah. I just haven't had time to really like mess with it. It's like super amateur and all around like from the fly fishing to the filming to everything but uh, sure oh well man just point a camera have some fun that's what i was thinking yeah, man. that's what it's about yeah, yeah. so i'm glad we we're able to go full circle with that because i was thinking about when you're talking about like all your <laughs> filming stuff i was like yeah i have to ask him about this yeah is that something you want to um dive into yeah yeah i got all, i got all the footage on a file and i just yeah i just gotta like kind of mess with it and then kind of figure out how to do like mm -hmm. um um you know like how you have like a scene you know, like I don't know, a drone or something. And I, I got to figure out how to do like vo voiceovers and I, I know how to do it. I guess I just got to do it, you know, cause I got to use this and then voice like what's going on in the scene and then plug it in. Cause there's not a lot of dialogue in it. You uh, know? Yeah. Yep. Is that the word di like dialogue talking through the video? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know these fancy terms, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, but like after like, you know, back to the pollution stuff, like that's really kind of changed my mind on like where to live and plant my family, you know, like, sure. So, yeah. Well, how do you feel about being down in the bitter then? Yeah, I'm, I'm torn on it, man. Especially like, and that's a different pollution because that's like from Yellowstone. <laughs> Not that's a pollution, but you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like it's a... It is a pollution in its own way. All these yeah. random people are driving that valley just so they can take a photograph of the Yellowstone, of the Dutton Ranch gate. Dutton Ranch, yeah. It's crazy how many people get backed up on that. Yeah, and I don't even think that's the real Dutton Ranch. I don't know either. I've never seen the show. I heard it's supposed to be, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to... I don't know the, the truth behind that either, but I'm going to say it's not the real Dutton Ranch. Yeah. Is the Dutton Ranch a real thing? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have no idea either. Yeah. But yeah, that's the only thing I worry about is like Montana's kind of on the, um, it's, it's almost like glamorous to do Montana stuff now. You know, I don't know what to say. Like it's not glamorous isn't the right word, but, um, yeah, there's like a, people think about it in a romantic way still. Yeah, which is nice, mm -hmm. but the the downside is it's like it's starting to. I mean, like Butte was like a, a dead town since the mining days, and now the the prequel to Yellowstone is getting mm -hmm. filmed there, and which and that actually, and that has some good benefits too. It's not all bad. Like they're reviving a lot of cool old buildings and and trying to get them similar to what they were, you know. Because like um, I lived in Butte for a minute in Metals with my wife, and Metals Bank's a cool bank. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much the same as it was. And the owner, he's like a historian too, super cool guy. And he was talking about how like, it was almost like the Butte town itself got frozen time because like when the money left, then everybody left and no one had money to do anything. And these, right. these storefronts and these big buildings uptown got just like closed and abandoned pretty much. And mm -hmm. so they've been that way until like re really recently. And there's been a push even before the show to kind of bring those, like just polish them up and not change them, you know? Cause like, it seems like the nineties, the eighties and probably the seventies, um, people were just like doing like drop ceilings and like doing all these weird like architectural stuff to these cool old buildings and like hiding the old bones that mm -hmm. like 
makes them amazing you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i think that show is doing a good job of like reviving a lot of those uptown buildings yeah that's that's super rad bringing kind of like restoring some of the cultural history and also too it's like i've i just feel like people are starting to move back there again yeah i guess like one of the only places in the state maybe the country that you can actually affordably purchase a home yeah you know and um i think that I just heard a lot of, you know, people, you know, in my uh, friend groups that are like, yeah, you know, like real estate in Butte is like wicked cheap. Yeah. We could get a, you can get a house. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds pretty cool, but then you're in Butte. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it'll take some time for Butte to kind of get back um, on, on the map. And I think so too. And the real estate will eventually get blown out. But yeah. I guess right now. It's a good spot. Tell your people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're trying to buy a home, that's where to go, I guess. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Except the Berkeley Pit. Except for that. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is still it filling is. up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That might kill you. That might so kill you. That's, I, a, that's a trade-off. <laughs> that's a trade-off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It depends on how long you want to live. I know, know, man. Like, when we were living there, it's not too far from the pit, you know? So, I was like, I, I'm pretty sure I could see it from, like, the corner of the, like, condo apartment thing. And mm-hmm. I was like, man. It was weird because it was, like, an apartment, but, like, we had the option to buy it. Mm. Like, a condo. But, like, we were renting it for, like, an apartment. It was super nice. But, mm. yeah, yeah you, it was high up in Butte, so you kind of see all over. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, I see the campus and the other side of the Berkeley Pit. And I was just like, are you killing me? <laughs> like, I'm looking at it. Probably. Probably, yeah, yeah, man. There's so many chemicals in that sucker. I mean, they try to shoo the geese away, you know, like, so that, because if they land it, they just die, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, Why don't we just turn the Berkeley Pit into a landfill? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, probably like, should. Empty it and then just. Well, it's like there's already a hole there. Yeah. You know, right? Not doing anything with it. And it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, driving the interstate west here through Missoula, there's that hillside on the right that's literally just a landfill. Yeah. Like, I remember when I first moved here 10 years ago, I remember seeing a bulldozer pushing trash and then dirt like on the side of the highway. And I was like, what? Yeah. What the hell? Is that a landfill? Like in Montana? Like, what? I know. It's so weird. Then we got a couple, we got the Logan landfill. Um, just west of Bozeman, and then we got the transfer station in, in Bozeman that's full. Oh, yeah. And we bring everything to Logan. Yeah, because yeah, I remember the Logan one put in, because even, like, from West Yellowstone, um, because of the, the county, I think, or something, I don't know, but, like, we if we had, like, a big thing when I was jumping out of West, we'd have to, like, fill up a truck and go all the way to Logan yeah. to, to dump it out. And, like, when I was a kid, I don't remember even seeing it. So, uh-huh. I, like, I think it was pretty recent at that point. I was like, hmm. Huh. Yeah, this yeah. is gnarly. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, I mean, the... Berkeley Pit is huge. Just fill that thing up. Yeah, I, I agree. Probably, I mean, a little more expensive to truck it over, but I think that would be better for everybody. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We're, here we are trying to find solutions to yeah. Montana's trash problem. And, and this is where it starts, man. <laughs> yeah, you know? right, right here. Right here, yeah, Small yeah. conversations. Yeah, lead to big conversations, in, right? Yeah, in living rooms of eastern Missoula. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, with a laid-up hot shot and a washed-up smoke jumper. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing well. <laughs> yeah, we're doing great, man. Yes. Yeah, like that, and that's what I was kind of talking about in the beginning of this, is just like healing, like it's healing season, you know? And, yeah, healing uh, season. Yeah, and I, mental, you know, physical, all of it, you know, like mm-hmm. when, and like we talked about, and I, I think it might be a, uh, a loop on my podcast, but I'm okay with it because it's like mental health loop, like mm-hmm. just like we were talking right before, especially coming off a shot crew or something that, a crew that's really uh structured you know like we were talking like on a fire you know like you got that your wake up time you got like five what is it, like 10 minutes to get your shit in the buggy or something yeah i mean the, i think the way we do it on bitter is like you know we have uh truck checks at you know 0600 yeah right which means like 
you know, you have 10 minutes before that and you're not really allowed to wake up any earlier than that if you want to like stretch or make coffee or something yeah. because then you wake everyone else up. Yeah. And people are really pissed off if you wake up literally a minute earlier than that. That's what I've heard, man. Yeah. Like, like I've heard guys like just holding their piss like, I'm going to fucking explode. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, you know, I've, uh, I've camped next to other crews. I think, you know, Idaho Panhandle, they're even more strict, you know. Oh, really? Like they... They, I remember like waking up one morning and I slowly, slowly was doing my thing. And I look, look over, I see the entire IPH crew. Like, there's like several kids, like, you know, sitting up, like restless, but no one's moving. And it's like almost like, oh, six. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm almost late. Yeah. I'm like getting all my stuff together, being noisy, you know, so it's half my crew. Yeah. And then I like hear them say this like crazy word. I'm not really sure what it is. And it's probably part of their crew's tradition forever. Yeah. They say this word and then in unison, they all pack up. And within like 90 seconds, everyone's, you know, PG bags are packed and they're walking to the rigs and I'm like, wow, that's pretty intense. Yeah, dude. You know? And here I thought bitter, it was like, you know, kind of hardcore in that, but it's really, you know, every crew is different. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, but I, th- I, dude, I think I experienced them on my, one of my first fires, like as like mm-hmm. a, just a, a young, you know, upcoming like rookie on a or new guy on an engine. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually it was a crew. It was a throw together t- type two IA crew. So like we're dicking off being idiots. Everyone's waking up whenever and just doing whatever. And, and you could like see something's up because like you said, like they're dead still, not too far from their buggies. And then like you said, I, all of a sudden I hear like a weird noise and like it, it like spooked me. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and all of a sudden they just like, boom. And I, I don't know if it's panhandle or a different crew, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was wild to see. And I was like, whoa, we, we are not that dialed here. That's, yeah. That's how they do it. Yeah. Um, I've heard good things about that crew. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've known quite a few folks. Mm-hmm. I actually talked to, I don't know if he's still a soup, uh, Chris, um, God, what the heck's his name? Uh, Chris Smith, hmm. like, yeah, no, Smith. I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. God, I'm, yeah, God, mm-hmm. sorry. If, I'm, I'm so, too, I'm too new to the world to know. Yeah, everybody yet. And I'm like, and I'm like, you. and I'm on the other end of it. I'm like too old, so like <laughs> yeah. I'm getting like Alzheimer's from my like dementia from my fire career. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think it's Chris Smith, man. He's yeah, he's a good dude. Like, uh, um, I heard he's like wasn't like a huge fan of jumpers, but like you know for more of the probably the like structural reason, you know, and like, Oh, sure. And, and the effectiveness that, you know, I know there's a little bit of argument, you know, with like throwing eight people at a giant fire versus like a 20 person crew, you mm-hmm. know, like, and I get that part too, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So I, I, I got, um, or I, I'd say maybe he got stuck with me <laughs> in uh, mm-hmm. McGrath for a while. And, mm-hmm. uh, one of my buddies was on the crew. So like, I just like bebop over and hung out with those guys and their, their crew got split cause it got smoked in. So half panhandle is still like in Fairbanks or something. Oh. And then like not even half made it like the soup and me, one of the squaddies, my buddy and mm-hmm. a couple of the lighter folks, you know, end up just getting on that plane ride. So like, oh, nice. maybe like a quarter, I guess was there. Yeah. And he was a really nice guy and, and, uh, I got along with some good, but yeah it's a little different world there though it sounds like yeah totally um <laughs> did you have a story or? no I, was like, I, don't, I don't know where i'm going with this um yeah i was gonna ask you about uh just hotshot life in general because folks who might be listening maybe interested in hot shots like um i guess i mean i was gonna explain it but you're a hot shot so yeah sure hot shot life um trying to explain it as best as i could for you know just being on it for I just just finished my rookie season with Bitterroot. Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty structured. You know, it's a twenty person hand crew going up. I think now to twenty five. Um, right, it's, it's just kind of structured in squads. You know, you have like there's pretty much three squads. One squad is pretty much going to be primary saws. Um, and yeah, your your basic fire operation is you're just throwing manpower 
woman power um, at the fire. And, you know, your saws are out front, um, cutting away line, and the dig's kind of behind them, um, you know, putting in hand line and removing fuel, helping swamp, um, you know, cold trailing or do, doing whatever task is necessary. But it's, it's very highly structured, you know. Um, from, from your morning wake-up time, you know, you wake up, you have all these, you know, chores and checks you need to get done. Everyone has their own job. Everyone does their job. Um, and the sooner that gets done, you know, hopefully you have, you know, maybe five to 10 minutes to like brush your teeth, sip, sip some coffee, sip some coffee, maybe like, you know, shoot the shit with a buddy, um, about, you know, whatever hilarious thing is on your mind. Um, you know, if you're the person in the chase truck in charge of getting meals and supplies to the crew, you're screwed. You don't have any time ever. Um, I, I remember on my first fire this year, I was, you know, pulled off the buggy and put in the chase truck with um, one of my seniors and I got left behind taking a poop. Really? Yeah. No <laughs> yeah, way. I had to take a shit. Jeez, he's like, man. Hey man, do I have time to poop? Like I was so nervous. He's like, yeah. I don't know. Probably not. I'm like, it's gotta happen. Yeah. It's a, there's no other option here. And I, you know, got out of the, out of the blue room and walked back to where the trucks were and just an empty parking lot in the, in the forest. Oh, like, no. uh, I wonder where they went. <laughs> so, so what happens next you just try to find them and catch a ride yeah or? well we were close to fire camps so i ended up like running back to um into like where i knew briefing was and you know kind of found my soup and assistant soup didn't let them know i was there i just kind of like you know hung behind the crowd Smart. and yeah i didn't want to get yell at you know yeah I also like you know got a soup during briefing like hey where's the crew <laughs> like, that's yeah. just a bad look yeah for everybody uh, but yeah i don't know the crew was you know just another hundred yards away getting meals they just bumped over but oh gotcha um, god dang it was just it was just pretty pretty funny yeah you know and that's kind of like the other funny part of like the crew you know like yeah oh, leaving man uh-huh. and that's just hot shot life and fire life in general it's like it's either a hundred percent speed or it's zero speed yeah right you're either chilling or you're moving mm-hmm. um even during operational shifts you know it's like you're either like running and gunning or it's slower and you're just trying to stay employed. Yep. And um, just kind of holding hover. And- yeah. And I think this season was an interesting balance of that. I think it was a slower year for fires in a lot of, I mean, I've talked to quite a few crews throughout the West now, um, just this off season. It seems like everyone kind of had that, like, yeah, like a couple, two, three days of like hard charge and firefighting. And then the rest of the role was just sitting in doing odd jobs and trying not to get demoed yeah right yeah Um, totally yeah really weird man because it was like seemed like there was a lot of fire but it wasn't like as active as like normal like you know like yeah and maybe just tactics are changing maybe things are changing i don't really know i don't either um yeah because i was local all summer you know like most of their folks so yeah like i didn't really get a taste of it just like talking to like um cash and mm -hmm. uh kosovich you know i dropped nick off that one day and they're like yeah it's just could be a hard year for retention because of that too, because like, you know, people have an idea of what the shot life is and it's usually like a lot of fire, man, like mm-hmm. putting a lot of fire down and, and getting after it and, you know, like feels like you're really doing something and then to have a season that's a little bit more slow going, you know, makes it tough. Yeah. And I think this season showed like, I know on our crew, we had a pretty substantial turnover. I don't think that was just the season, you know, everyone's got on their own things going on in their lives, but yeah, you know, I know we had a big turnover on crew. I know that the Bitterroot forest in general just had a total summer and completely you know lost a lot of people um unfortunately but yeah you know and that's just the thing in the fire world it's like it's so flexible not just like shift by shift and day by day but in crew by crew but like you know season to season 
Um, and like, even like, if you want to think about like, you know, periods of like five years at a time, yeah, forest districts and crews, their culture is going to change a lot. Yeah, totally. You know, it's like the culture of Bitterroot now, it's probably completely different than what the culture of Bitterroot was five years ago. Yeah. And you know, I'm just starting my time there and I'm, I, but that gets me excited, you know, yeah. like, you know, the changing of personnel on a crew changes the culture and, and you are the only person who can impact that. Yeah. Yeah. And opportunity, cause it brings opportunity. And then yeah. like, you, like you said, like, um, you know, with the, with that turnover, you have, you bring in new folks too, and new personalities, you know, like yeah, new vibes, new yep. jokes, new, yeah. you know, uh, personalities getting along or not. Yeah. You know, it's just, um, and that's part of the lovely challenge. And, I, and that's kind of what I love about the hotshot crew is like, you really are thrown together with like, you know, 25 other people that are just like you, yeah. you know, egotistical and strong minded and yeah. um, excited oh. to like live outside. Yeah. Whether you think that about yourself or not, if you're a hotshot, those are traits you have, yeah. you know, like I'm, you know, don't say you don't have an ego if you're on a hotshot crew, yeah. you have an ego. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And you kind of have to, you know, like, cause criticals, you know, like being able to like put yourself through that, you know, or get yourself in shape to get through that, you know, like that's, if you're, if you're not like competitive and don't want to like get after it, like you wouldn't be doing that, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know? And then if you're like, you know, the, the weakest link in terms of pushups, pull-ups, sit-ups or the mile and a half run, it's like, yeah. that's going to probably push you to try to train harder for the next season. Yeah. You know? I was just going to say too, yeah, so many folks who maybe just didn't have an idea or thought they were in better shape coming in, like uh, talking to them mm-hmm. and even like in uh, smoke jumping to the same deal, like coming through rookie training, like if you felt like you're a little soft, like a lot of times people come back because that ego, man, they come back way harder the next year, man. Like, yeah. I'm going to show that I'm better than this, you know? Well, I mean, it only takes, you know, a little bit of like humility to like really bring yourself from a point of like, you know, weakness into a point of strength. Yeah. You know, like, and, but I think recognizing that, that sense, it's not a bad thing to be totally. humiliated. You know, everyone gets humiliated at some point. Yeah. Um, that's a, yeah. That's a great thing about wildland. Like you said, man, so humbling and for growth, you know, it's super important, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of us do it. Like it, yeah, sure. It pays better than like your average job, but your average job doesn't last only six months. Yeah. So it really doesn't pay better. No. You know, right. So it's just like, well, I think why we're really here is for a challenge. Yeah. Like everyone joins the wildland fire world because it forces them to deal with complex situations and stress and intensity yeah you know and, nonstop. And, and find out stuff different stuff about yourself you know like if you yeah like like you're for you know if you're in your first year like um i don't know anything like i'm trying to think of like something that really stands out to me but um even you know like squad boss or whatever you might be and also like you're in charge of your squad you're in charge of a helicopter that's coming and like you got also all this responsibility on you and sink or swim you mm-hmm. know and it's like if you sink it's fine there's gonna be someone else to step in and help you out typically especially on a crew yeah but like uh, if you swim man you're gonna feel pretty pretty awesome after you do it you know yeah exactly totally and um yeah it's like it's like through those moments you know when there's like there'll be a moment and you'll just be completely challenged totally out of your element yeah. and that defines you you know yeah. how you manage that stress and how gracefully you are able to get yourself through something um helps define who you are yeah totally man and i think that's like the biggest thing i'm after in the fire world is just just like trying to you know just further discover a sense of self yeah i think is what was what draws me most to this occupation absolutely man i think that's kind of my big charging thing and and just self-improvement always you know and and you get a lot of that through this what we're talking and and the leadership thing really helps for me and and at first that you know i had a lot of good leaders so you figure like everyone i had everybody on a pedestal and then you get Mm -hmm. a bad like 
like say you know if i'm a crew boss and uh, i'm a trainee and then my trainer is like total different leadership style it's like it may not be better or worse it's just like maybe it's not me so i gotta like keep him happy and do similar things to him or her you know and and but also like trying to maintain my leadership style that i like you know like where i'm more like decentralized command you know like i'm I'm gonna give you the information you need and I'm gonna give you all of what you need, but I'm also, I'm trying to get you to do stuff on your own too, especially like squad bosses and stuff, you know, like problem solve, you know, like I don't, I'm not gonna micromanage you, but then like I've had trainers who are micromanaging on me all the way down to like, you know, first year person and it's like, totally, yeah. And they're screamers and that, and that was kind of more the old school style. So it was like having to deal with that where I'm more of a talker, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, unless you're like something dangerous is happening and I need to get your attention. I won't raise my voice voice ever. I'm just like, hey, yeah. what's happening? You know, like, and then usually it's more like, you're better than this, man. Or, you know, whoever I'm talking to. You know? Yeah, totally. Like, There's always a point in time um, that, you, you know, it's like you raising your voice at your coworker doesn't miss. I mean, you're pissed off at them. It just means like, hey, this is the time to pay attention. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, yeah. I think that was a, be serious. Yeah, honestly, like one of the things I learned this year on our, on my cruise, we had, a, we had a, you know, some issues just like people treating people right you know and it it came down to like people needing to explain that to some of our crew members like hey this is like a moment when like you're being talked at like this because you're doing something wrong and this is a moment you're being talked at like this because it's time to shut up and pay attention yeah you know there's a big big difference and 90 percent of the time it's shut up and pay attention you know i don't have time to organize you i just have five seconds to tell you what to do. Yeah. Totally. And then you're an adult. So it's time to carry out this task. Yeah. Do what I say. And we'll talk about it later, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that's, that's huge, man. Cause like you said, learning and that's like, that's where I got lucky. I had some good leadership that told me that in guard school is like, you all are going to, you all have the potential to be leaders and good leaders, but mm-hmm. you got to be good followers first. And that leads to being a good leader, being a good follower. Cause then you're absorbing, you're sponging, and then you realize like what works for you. Like this person just explaining things to me, and then like having more that that um, uh, seriousness. I'm trying to think that's not the tone I'm looking for, but um, more you know like heightened sense of things. When someone's like, "We're doing this, we're doing this, we're starting here," you know, we're gonna anchor this road, we're gonna burn to this road. Mm-hmm. We need to do it now because we have no time. You know, like no questions, do yep. it. You know, yeah, go get a torch, pull yep. the truck around. Like get your get your squad. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Like I shouldn't have to tell you where to park. I shouldn't tell you what torches to get. You should just do it. You know, yeah. like because everyone knows where everything is, especially on a crew. Like mm-hmm. everyone knows where the torches are. Everyone knows what's going on. Everyone knows what squad I'm talking to. You know, yeah. Like, everyone knows how to flip a torch. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to ask. Hey, what uh, what fuel mixture should be in here? Like, no. Just yeah, exactly. Just do it. You don't need to. Yeah. Light it and go. <laughs> yeah. Do we? You know, bring the trucks. Should I bring my pack? Like, of course you bring your pack. Like, you know, yeah. like, but. Yeah, exactly. But that kind of stuff, and there's like a little bit more seriousness going on, like crucial time crunch. Mm-hmm. We got a we got a leaking ice oh, pack. No. Here. Oh no! Oh no! You need me to do anything? <laughs> you want me to throw it in the sink? I'll just leave it there. All right, I can I can, I can throw it in the sink. I'll put it over here. It's just like kind of leaky. Oh, gotcha. Just uh, my ice system, like my last surgery, I had like this fancy like ice chest. I'd plug into the wall and it'd pump water. I had this like fancy thing I'd put around my leg. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I was a buddy, so I had to give it back. And this time, I literally just have trash bags filled with, you know, party ice. Yeah. And I, it, yeah, I need more ice. Yeah, man. It's a uh, god dang. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was trying to think like a better way because I was like, man, I got I got a horse trough. It'd be super hard for you to get in and out of. <laughs> yeah, I'm not allowed to like get wet yet. Oh, because sutures and stuff. These, um, I mean, these these are like compression socks that keep blood flow. Oh. And uh, yeah, there's all this like weird orange goop all over my leg that is antibacterial that needs to stay on there for whatever reason. You know, post yeah. post surgery. Yeah, yeah. I think there's like some iodine in there. It's like yeah, the color. exactly. It's really gross and horrible for your skin, and it is staying on my body until Monday morning. Yeah. I guess got the orange leg. Yeah, the old orange leg. <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump leg. Donald Trump leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least it's hot. You know, it's, you got that going. Yeah, it, it's presidential. Uh, it's yeah, it's a presidential color. Yeah, it really is, man. Uh, <laughs> but dude, that reminds me of, like the structure thing. Um, man, I got like two things in my head. But uh, so the structure thing, like mental health, is kind of like mm-hmm. what like we got off track of like way back when. But that's a <laughs> podcast before. Yeah, um, yeah. So like, and fire all has that right. You got structure. It's just like a little mm-hmm. more strict in areas, like especially like even like you said, hotshot to hotshot crew could be more loose, more strict on their mm-hmm. organization and and how in their time and all that stuff and and duties. Um, where like districts are, you know, some run pretty strict, but they're still a little more loose, but you still have like time frames of when you got to get things done. Yep. And then, so you have all this and you have all these wildland firefighters are doing this whole thing for, like you said, like four to six months, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. And then it gets shut off one day. Like it just, yeah, like, then it just ends. And yeah. then that structure, that routine, that pattern that yeah. is in your brain, that is just like telling you how to live, when to brush your teeth, when to eat, when to use the bathroom, when to go to bed. That's suddenly all gone, and you're kind of left with like that feeling. Oh man, like how do I, how do I brush my teeth? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> how do I make a waffle? Yeah. Um, what do I do when I don't have anything to do? I yeah. think it's the hardest thing. Yeah, because you got like switched almost like a hobby life. You're like, yeah. So wait a minute, like, I, yeah, I could go ski now. You know. Yeah, like, like, oh, and then you're like, oh, I guess I'll go on a trip. Yeah. Which is usually what we do, and that's usually what I've done. And yeah, you know, um, this Tr- year didn't really get that opportunity. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's just kind of, it's just kind of funny. I think a lot of people in, the, in this occupation struggle like really, really badly, you know, um, yeah. with depression and, uh, I, you know, we've all seen the suicide numbers and wildland firefighters. I know that's a big thing came out with like anchor point podcast and like the mm-hmm. foundation, the wildland firefighter foundation and, um, hotshot, uh, brewery. I'll put like, like a big thing out and it got, you know, reposted by a bunch of folks. And yeah. I remember seeing that, Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's super real, you know, and it's just like, I've, yeah, I don't know. Like injuries suck and off season sucks and I'm dealing with both of them. And I've, yeah, certainly have been down in the dumps and you know, it, it just sucks. Like it's, 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 it's like really hard to rebuild a pattern in your own life with your own creativity and free will when you're so used to that structure. Yeah, you know, totally. You're so man. used to like, the chain of command defining your structure for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a huge, huge challenge. Yeah, totally. And then like you said, and then being forced to like pause where it's like, if you're on a shot crew and you're going dirty August, you know, balls out and it's like 18 hour shift, you know, like burning all, you know, into the night, you know, like constantly going, running like four or five hours of sleep, man. And doing it all, you know, for a month long or more Mm -hmm. and like hard charging until like layoff, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. You know, I got some time on my hands now. It's like such yeah. a different switch. Super, super different. And I don't know. Some people, are, some people are better at it than others. You know, I've seen people um, get out the planners and like plan out their week. Yeah. You know, and almost down to the hour, which is super, probably super helpful. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, I have just I have done nothing. <laughs> yeah. To help myself, other than just 
yeah, I'm looking at this whole thing as like a tactical pause. Yeah. Um, and hopefully taking some time to reassess like how I'm going to create that pattern. That's, um, yeah. For myself. Cause, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like when you have like a pattern and routine, you know, and you believe in yourself in, in terms of following that pattern routine, like you've got a lot of power, right? Yeah. And just like your own sense of self. But like, as soon as you lose that, um, that power, you know, as soon as you stop believing in yourself, it's like, you're, you're kind of lost. You're kind of just floating. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of folks struggle in, in that, in that realm. Yeah. They just kind of float until, the next season comes around and they're still left with all these problems and they didn't evaluate and think about. Yeah. And then they ignore it until, you know, the next November rolls around and they get laid off. I go, like, oh. Yeah. Oh, we're here again. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's a good way to look at it. And that's kind of way, you know, especially with my Crohn's, like it's, I get these, you know, take these little hits and tactical pauses, mm-hmm. you know, throughout my life and throughout seasons. And like you said, like using it as a gift and that's, you know, kind of the podcast came to be, you know, it's laid up from our tumor and there's always opportunity, right? From these things. But being able to like think like that though is kind of tough, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that how the, the podcast really came in is you were, you know, coming out of that tumor and you're like, oh, I need, I need something to do. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I needed something to do. And I, I kind of wanted to do like something for, you know, that was like mine, you know, like, and create something. And then like, man, I, I had, I want to say like 15 seasons into that point or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I'd met so many like really cool people in the wildland and forest service world that I was just like, man, like I, these people need like to, their stories told, you know, like mm-hmm. they're, everyone's doing these cool things. And like, the thing is too, it's like, it's so abundant. Like, like you're saying, like, uh, we're all similar as in like, we like the outdoors, but then everyone's still got their own little like slice of what they're into, you know? Like, yeah. so it's like, like with you, man, like it, avalanche and photography, you know, mm-hmm. and, and skiing, like that's, that's all big and it's unique to you. you yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it's really important to like have time to do that. You know, I think that's why we choose these seasonal jobs at the same time. Yeah, totally, man. You know? Um, yeah. But so, like, so we can do those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then people, I think people end up like kind of drink a little bit cause they're celebrating the season and that kind of like goes into like more of the not being productive and you know, cause you know, I think, a lot of us have been there, you know, you get you into your party that leads mm-hmm. into like, you know, drinks with some other buddies that you haven't seen forever. And you kind of get in a, uh, almost like a, uh, swirl of that, you know, like, mm-hmm. and which isn't really good for you, like to take that tactical pause and be like, what next? You know, like let's build on something this winter, you know, like build yeah. something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's, that's really hard. You know, it's hard to like, it's hard to like prioritize productivity. Yeah, totally. It's hard to like keep yourself productive. And I think, you know, like we were saying, it's super hard to like prior, like super hard to like make yourself productive when you're so used to being productive after being told what to do. Yeah. You know, and you don't want to really be productive anymore because you've been doing it like, yeah, you know, like I've so been, long, you know, I just like dug how many miles of line yeah. this summer. It's just like, and how many hours you put in in just a small window of yeah, time. It's like how much time did you spend just staring off into like the vast blackness of a burn? And you're just like, all right, I don't see any embers over here. Yep. Like look down, it's been like seven hours. You're like leaning on a tool. How oh, am I still holding? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. You know. Had those um, nights, man. And yeah. Or like you know you've been swamping for like your fourth shift in a row, and you're 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 looking down this road, and there's still miles of road left. Yeah. You're like, so this is what this roll is. Yeah. I'm gonna swamp 
for 14 days. Yeah, dude, what a what an exercise in mental toughness there, man. Because, yeah. like, everyone's had those assignments, I think, if you've been in this long enough, where it's like, oh, all right. Like, I had one like that where just contingency dozer line that was, like, I think it was probably an old, I don't know, mining road or something mm-hmm. back in, in New Mexico, like Hondo, New Mexico, or something small in the middle of nowhere. Closest thing was, like, Roswell. Mm-hmm. 110 degrees was, like, the average, and we're – Brushing out this uh, this dozer line for contingency line miles away from like active fire. Yeah. So it's like I mean I've never been so hot in my life running a uh, way, way bigger saw than I need. I'm running a four six and it's like I'm cutting twigs, but <laughs> it's you know warm is like cutting in an oven. Yeah. But man, does it really help the mental toughness? Yeah, you know? yeah, that's that's a good exercise, you know. And, and you know maybe that's like something to think about as we're dealing with these off season woes. It's just like yeah. All right, well uh, you know I was able to like. Spend 16 hours a day swamping um, shrub oak. Yeah. You know? That's scratches and yeah, pokes. Yeah, and, and... Um, that sucked. Yeah. And now, like, you're being forced to spending, you know, 16 hours a day, like, thinking about stuff. Yeah. And, and that, that alone is super hard. Like, right, well, what do I do now? I guess I'll go for a run. I guess I'll go work out. Yeah. You know? And then I'm like, then you're still stuck with your thoughts. I think that's the biggest thing is, like, people just kind of get, like, wrapped up in their, in their mind during this time of year, and there's not... It's not enough distraction. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, unless man. they're really good at distracting themselves with the things they love doing, which it's such a funny double-edged sword. It's like yeah. you have all this time to do what you want to do, but you're also kind of bummed out, so you're not doing what you want to do. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I was always like kind of kicking myself, like, why didn't I do something like this years ago? You know, like I've had so much downtime, and like even you know my my setup's pretty pretty mobile, so it's like man, I could have been bringing some of this stuff. Maybe not the whole thing, but like. I got the smaller stands and stuff, and the GoPro is pretty compact. I yeah. Could, I could have brought it with me on the road to Region 8 and, like, interviewed some folks down there and, like, mm-hmm. got some cool footage while I was there. But, like you said, like, just, like, more in the trance of fire and just still, like, just going through the motions, like, and, and trying to get my next qual and, you yeah. know, focus more on that instead of being, like, if I would have had this built, it would have been maybe, you know, a little bit further down and, and maybe supporting itself and, and be able to do something a little different with my life, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, no time to start like now right? yeah right yeah yeah that's a good point man let's get it's never too late you know yeah exactly and you, you know there's no going back in time so you know, yeah. here you are and why living i'm interviewing me <laughs> yeah in east missoula yeah, man. East yeah. Missoula. Oh, this yeah. is great dude uh, yeah i'm super pumped about it man and mm-hmm. yeah and that's uh you know I've, I've hammered this a little bit but like that's something i'm trying to do too like if this thing ever gets some traction and starts like getting some kind of income you know i want to do like maybe my own nonprofit and like start doing some more like off season stuff. Like I, I kicked around the idea of doing like a softball game between regions, you know, like mm-hmm. have like a, a regional tournament here. And then like whoever wins goes to like play region four, you know, I don't know how I'd do it, but like, Oh yeah. It'd be super tough because people kind of scatter the wind, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out some, maybe just like five K's, I guess, you know, people, those are pretty easy. You yeah. Know? Just like fire specific yeah. runs or, yeah, and I kind of wanted to get structure involved too, like structure folks with wildland mm-hmm. folks, and like we all can like mingle. And I mean, like, we all kind of share the same kind of sense of humor and stuff. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's all we're all just dirty bastards. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly, man. Yeah, no which way you look at it. Yeah, and that's what I want to talk about too, man. About the the crew life, you know, like I mm-hmm. I didn't have any experience in the shot crew, but I was uh, on the Great Northern Type Two IA crew for a while, mm-hmm. which is, was kind of like a feeder crew to the hotshot crews, which I think they still kind of try. Yep. And then um, and that crew bossed them for a while, but man, like the humor, like. You'll be like, like you said, in the dead, like looking at embers, like a little bit of ember shower here and there, but it's in the black where it's like, no one's worried about it. So you're just kind of like zoning out and still trying to do the, do your job. And then like, here's some like random comment, like from like the darkness, like this is funny as hell. And yeah. Like, then you're like, 
hands and knees yeah. laughing your butt off just because someone said something stupid yeah exactly and like it's not even that funny but it's just like the context of the situation yep your level of exhaustion yep it's just like makes a you know random word just that much more hilarious <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly it yeah. could just be a comment about what's going on just like the way it's delivered to you you're like oh my god oh, totally we, we had this moment this year this was hilarious we were we were in idaho or no we were in utah um we were about to head to Idaho, oh, and we had just finished up on the Jacob City Fire. We were, like, spiked out for, you know, eight days. Got my first helicopter ride. Oh, nice. Camped on top of a mountain, you know. You know, it was, it was a really sick fire. It was, like, some really, really fun firefighting. Um, but after we, you know, wrapped up operations on the Jacob City, we were brought back down to this, like, little school, schoolyard, where we stayed for three days. Oh, nice. Um, which was mind-numbing. Yeah, I bet. And, um... Yeah, I mean, staging is just kind of when, like, everyone's goof-offery really yeah. comes out. And I remember, like, we had done, we had done a store stop earlier that day um, for lunch, you know. And one of my buddies, Nick, got some, like, ice cream and, like, put it in, like, the, you know, the buggy cooler. Yeah, and like, um, like kind of community for that buggy cooler. Like, yeah, yeah, right, you know. You know, the ice cream, he didn't eat all of it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> later in the day, someone's going in there for, like, LaCroix, and they go in there, and, like, the cooler had exploded, and Nick's chocolate mint ice cream had just blown up all over the cooler so the cooler was destroyed all the drinks were just like covered in this like you know green goop and next way across this parking lot like going to the bathroom and and you know the people who discovered it were kind of pissed off like god damn it like, who did this and they're like <laughs> looking around like hey you know did you have chocolate mint ice cream like, no did you have chocolate mint ice cream like no and we're trying to you know decipher who it was and suddenly we see like Palindek walking back from the end of the parking lot. We're like, yo, did you get ice cream earlier today? He's like, yeah, bro, chocolate mint. She's <laughs> <laughs> all pumped. And, and like, you know, at this point, the entire crew was involved in trying to figure out whose ice cream it was, and we just died yeah. in laughter. Like, and it was just the silliest thing. We're like, completely died. I actually wanted that to be the, the stupid flip tattoo. It was like just Nick's long blonde hair with like a little word bubble. Just saying chocolate mint that would have been cool man it's been you know but it, yeah it's like little things like that are so specific and unique to like this the lifestyle and the relationships you have on a shot crew yeah and it's like super super unique like that little moment to me was probably one of the funnier things that happened all summer and i will never ever forget like the aura the the scene the whole whole part of what was going on then you know? yeah yeah and but that's like one of the unique things you get about you get being on a crew like that is you just you get exposed to these like intimate levels of of um just hilarity yeah human human interaction on yeah. a different level yeah totally yeah like people don't get like you're around each other all the time 24 7 24 7 yeah you know? like in the buggy talking or you're you know next to the buggy talking or you're like staging in a field somewhere talking yeah and um ridiculous music gets played and <laughs> yeah you know you know we, we we watch a lot of movies together um which is kind of fun yeah that's cool and um that's wild I yeah like. and we'll get like you know group pt things going you can't really like pt too hard when you're staging because there's always the moment notice we're like all right yep everyone gear up yeah. don't want to do something yeah exactly yeah you never know like mm -hmm. gonna go dig line for the next two days so you don't want, like you don't want to wear yourself out and you don't yeah. want to be like out of sorts when, when the call comes right and you know, you're expected to be like loaded up in the buggy within seconds of that call yeah you know, like no excuse you know you, you hit a load up signal and you don't want to be like rummaging together a pile of stuff yeah it's like you are yeah it's being a shit show <laughs> yeah you, you gotta keep it tight 
you know, coiled springs. Coiled springs. Yeah, yeah absolutely, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. What'd you guys do for the stupid flip tattoo? Did you guys do one? Uh, we actually didn't do one this oh. year. Yeah. Again, kind of a weirder season. Yeah. It ended differently for everybody. I ended up getting a back injury on the hog trough fire. And that's um, how you got stuck with me. Yeah. That's how I ended up meeting you, <laughs> yeah. which was a blessing in its own. Yeah. Um, I thought so too, man. Like I would have been like, it was great having you, man. Like you, I mean, you had more flagging experience than I have, you know? And like, so yeah, maybe, um, yeah. So that was like super handy. Cause I was just kind of like doing what was like different plan than what was planned. So uh-huh. like you showed up and kind of helped clarify some things and, and the miles that you put in is un- insane, dude. Yeah. I was doing like an average of five to eight miles a day. I don't even know what the vert was. That's what I was going to ask you. Like that's percent slope. Cause I'm like, I always get it mixed up. Cause like, like a hundred percent slope is like a cliff, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, or, like, like how does it work? Like it's super steep. So it's like forty, like forty percent doesn't sound steep, but it's like super steep. Yeah, and I've always, you know, working in the snow safety and ski patrol world, I've always just called things slope, like slope angle, um, and just being like a percentage of, you know, or uh, or degrees, like twenty five oh, degrees, degrees yeah. twenty seven degrees, forty five degrees is pretty steep. Um, I think I think most of what we have in the bitter is probably around like the twenty seven to thirty five degree um, pitch. And yeah, yeah, just you know it's super weird just going up a plot across down a plot and just doing that non-stop and oh, dude. i remember like looking at that project and remembering like being told what to do like, oh, man, this is a ton of plotting yeah and i was just like whatever i'm just gonna you know put my head down and just hike it all out and i was i don't know i i like tried to do what made sense but at the end of the day i was just like flagging lines through the woods just to get it done yeah same you know this is just like it had been done twice before and it was just a, it was just a, a funny project to be given it was yeah and then like the communication was like you know in different sorts there too on the whole thing you know like i was well, before i left it was kind of getting sorted out you know and detailer right. came in and had a different idea and the silver silver culture had a different idea and and then i had a different idea so like it was you know like a, a bunch of different like kind yeah. of opinions on, on how it should be done and right and then i have a different idea and i'm just a gs4 rookie hotshot i have no business making decisions on this well well, me and you're both in the same boat like that because first time ever doing like fuels work like that on that level you know right it was just kind of funny because you know usually on a a shot crew you know you do project work for the beginning of the year and we did a lot of like prepping burn units and a lot of thinning right but i never had done like the the pre-layout for that stuff yeah and um, i just thought it was weird when i was like laying out a plot i remember like laying a line down a plot that we had already thinned and prepped oh yeah yeah and i was like well this seems backwards yeah you know oh totally uh, man yeah yeah it's kind of some strange stuff there too and then it's it's super hard too because like even the stuff that we had done we had done like the small chunks like the bottom of the couple of those units mm-hmm. and i went back through at the end because that's all we had left and i was reflagging some of it and it's like it's already gone because animals or whatever you know like takes it so it's like yeah a lot of that stuff's gonna be gone well, before they even get after what it. is that flagging even made of it's like a soy based yep like it's you know like it's supposed sh- to biodegrade but yes yeah. it's, it's literally edible yep so um, yeah i guess yeah all the deer and, and chipmunks and everything like there was a there was a chipmunk or squirrel literally taking the flagging off that I, that we'd flag like weeks before mm-hmm. as i was like coming up to him you know yeah, like, yeah, you little bastard yeah i was like damn it yeah i mean when i was working at the yellowstone club we you know use flagging for sweet patterns and um setting you know just safety lines in the woods and all that i remember finding um i would find flagging in like fox shit oh really you know yeah. and then i would sometimes find like 
fox shit on like our bamboo poles and I would find like little bite marks in our flagging all the time. Yeah. We had we had foxes all over that mountain. That's uh, super cool. Yeah, we we call them muffins. Muffins for whatever reason. Oh. Yeah. It's like a locals thing up there. Muffins. Mm. We had that everywhere and they're always eating food. But they're really cool to see in the woods. Yeah, what color you got? Like mostly just like a like a red fox, gray fox. Yeah, like a red fox, um big old bushy tail. It, it's pretty fun, you know, you'll be, you'll be like doing a morning run check. It's like you know, eight in the morning still, and it's snowing and quiet, and you're yeah. you know, you're just kind of slowly bumping through the woods, and suddenly you like spook a fox, and it's it's just kind of fun to see. Yeah, that's super cool, yeah. man. Like just in tune with nature at that point, you know. Yeah, because you know, the, like winter has a really miraculous way of just dampening all sounds in the woods, and it's like totally different from being on a fire where you're like. You know, walking around is like, you know, aircraft, there's heavy equipment, there's radios, there's people yeah. digging, there's chainsaws. Um, yeah, you know, all all that stuff. And then and in the winter, it's just like, it's just dead quiet. That's like one of my favorite things about yeah. um, what I, you know, when I was working as a ski, as a ski patroller, it's just, it just peaceful yeah. for the most part, you know. Yeah, and yeah. That, man, there's something about being a, part of a ski hill too. I think it's because like an activity, and it's like it's all pretty much for fun and enjoyment because mm-hmm. it's free time. Like it's you know like besides people working there, like everyone who's going to that hill is there to have a good time. So I think it like resonates at least to me, you know. Right. Yep. Yeah, and it, you know, it's like it's like working at a restaurant. You know, you've ever done that as, yeah. in your adult life or you know, Co- younger college, life? Yeah. yeah, but it's like you know, your your homies, all the servers, mm-hmm. you know, all the bussers, the dishwashers, you know, are like trying to get you to bring them scraps you know and yeah. Then, yeah everyone's like a you know a community and same thing on a mountain you know your homies are the lifties you know your homies with the ski patrollers your homies with the ski instructors you know sort of yeah maybe i don't know the yc everyone is pretty split like the ski the blue coats and the red coats didn't really mix up too well oh really <laughs> or whatever it's funny yeah i don't know what that was all about um yeah like a yeah. class system or whatever they call that right yeah yeah i don't know no, yeah. I, I didn't follow that too much. I had a lot of friends who were um, ski instructors, and you know, I don't, I don't know. They make me way more money than us, so oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's it. I don't, know. I don't know. It shouldn't be it. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. You never know. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's cool though, man. Like that's uh, had a great time. Like we're talking about, like you know, off season activities. Like what a good way to do it. You know, it's kind of a nice chill job, typically, especially doing like lift lift stuff. You know, like lifty. Yeah, if you're lifty, it's pretty pretty mellow. Yeah, you know, ski patrol was pretty different you know if it was a route day it was like you know, you're getting up two hours earlier you're driving up the canyon um Jeez. and you're gearing up and it's like you know 6 30 in the morning it's still dark out you're getting handed a backpack full of bombs and you're getting a lift with all your buddies that's cool you're going up the mountain and um you know it's still like you're uh and then you're on the ridge um and the sun's rising and you're thinking really critically and you're trying to discuss about you know, how last night's snowfall is bonding to the old snow surface. Is it safe or not? And that's where you're deciding where you're putting these shots. Oh. Um, and, um, damn dude. Yeah. And it's actually pretty, pretty fun. Cause you kind of, you're kind of like you're hunting for an instability in the snowpack that's buried. Yeah. Right. And obviously, you know, the more and more you go on route, the more and more you understand like where the likely suspects are, you know, the repeat offenders, yeah. that's where you're going to throw a shot. Um, jeez. Mm-hmm. And then you think because you think like the the temperature the night before and what the temperature's been like all week and yeah, stuff. Yeah, right? so you you you'll you'll look at. I always looked at the temperature when the snow, when the storm started and the cool. and the gradient it as it changed as it as the storm ended. You know, did it come in 
warm and get cold or did it come in cold and get warm you know oh, yeah. and with that like because i could change the weight right there in both y- of yeah them. right like if it you know did it come in um, light and then get heavy or did it come in heavy and get light you know yeah like, and the you know basic structure for snow stability is just like soft on top of hard you know yeah. light on top of heavy um you know slidey snow on top of non-slidey snow right and yeah. it's a super basic way to put it but that's kind of what you're looking at and then yeah wind direction is always huge especially in southwestern montana um you know we have you know it's a continental snowpack so generally we're, we're thinner oh. than most other places so our, our one of our main avalanche um hazards in this you know part of the country is as a wind slab right so oh, what, yeah. what the wind speed is and the constant direction you know and, it, and there's, there's generally a sweet spot you know 13 to 15 miles an hour is perfect for wind for snow transport yeah and that you know wind will build up a really really dense slab of snow and if, if that's on top of something you know like a weaker layer it's gonna be really really easy for a skier to trigger um <laughs> so yeah and then we, and we'll just you know we'll try to mitigate that with either explosives or my favorite we'll just ski cut things oh really yeah so it's kind of cut off the top and um well yeah it, it's just you know um if you're ever at a mountain really early in the morning and you see these argonal patterns just like these kind of z formations in the slope yeah that's just like you pretty much weight your uphill ski and you cut across the slope to a safety zone then you kick turn turn around and you cut back across across the slope and you're pretty much just trying to like either a cut out the slab or b like flush out um that wind skin or that um instability layer damn that yeah. sounds that sounds a little sketchy it can be yeah i mean i've i've had a few close calls like i've caused you know some large avalanches while ski cutting and um like right at your feet pretty much too yeah i mean when it when it breaks it breaks at your, at your feet um yeah that's that's gotta be wild it's dude. scary but it's fun i don't know i it, bet i mean it, you're not you're not just like well i don't know i'm gonna cut across the slope and see if it goes like you're not yeah. gonna cut directly across a slope you don't know that much about you're gonna start at the top yeah you know and work your way down you're gonna have you know your route partners you know everyone's gonna have eyes on you you go one at a time yeah and you know ski patrol is very much so like the hotshot world right where like you have a crew of people and you trust each other everyone's got each other's back yeah right it's like we're all we're all trained very very efficiently in avalanche rescue and recovery you know so we know how to like if an avalanche happens we know how to like use a a transceiver find a signal locate that signal pinpoint and dig it up really fast and you guys have like just like a because you guys don't just use like little rico things right you guys have like a yeah and i will use um uh just a a more modern day avalanche transceiver it'll be a three antenna system it shoots out these radio signals called flux signals essentially like a butterfly wing that just gets bigger and bigger and that's three-dimensional oh cool Mm -hmm. dang so you can know like depth and distance or i guess uh yeah more more or less um distance will turn into depth as you get closer to your signal oh right? gotcha. yeah you know you'll um like when we train we'll you know bury a couple beacons out in the snow field and turn on your beacon to search mode and you'll start zing your avalanche path and suddenly you'll get like a number of like oh, 45 and that's in meters right and that's distance to your oh to your beacons you're you're pretty much like sprinting to, to, to get a turn a big number into a small number and then once you're um, super close and you're at nine meters, then you're pretty much thinking, all right, this distance is soon going to turn into depth because you're going to be on top of something. Yeah. And then you're kind of walking to find, you know, from nine meters down to like three meters. And when you're on three meters, then you're on your hands and knees crawling 
and you're kind of, I, I like to always make a box you're trying to find a pinpoint of where the lowest number lowest signal is and because that's when you more, most likely be right on top of the right yep, lowest number yeah. e- exactly right and so then when you're at like you know 1.3 meters you know and you've got nothing smaller then it's time to whip out the probe and the shovel and get a probe strike and then start start digging and oh gotcha. yeah and that's that's actually like a you know we you know you, on a hotshot crew you'll train like medical scenarios during criticals it's like yeah well we'll train on a ski patrol crew we'll, we'll train avalanche um scenarios um with you know th- three to ten people right and um and that's a lot about teamwork yeah how to work together and i imagine too because at the bottom of that avalanche if, if someone is buried it's probably pretty heavy right it gets all compacted right yeah i mean like avalanche snow is like concrete you know it's just like all that force pushes all these grains together and it's like it's really really hard to dig through yeah because you have like a field right like a top of a top of a bowl you mm-hmm. know and all that snow gets compacted to the bottom of the ravine right right and, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like the, the you know the the overall force is just tremendous it's pretty hard to comprehend yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's a good call the inertia just from it coming down the hill and then getting compacted into a smaller area mm-hmm. Oof. yeah that's gonna be brutal man like and time's an issue right you know because you only got so much air because because it, it seals you in too so you only have really what is around your head for oxygen right yeah and if you have that you know it's like if you're prepared um you know you're gonna get buried a good tactic is to kind of like throw your arm up like this and kind of like build yourself an air pocket oh gotcha. Right? right but that you know most of the time you're just cartwheeling and dumb yeah, walking and right i mean yeah. it's just like a, it's a pretty violent thing I, I i myself haven't been slid in an avalanche you know um yeah, but you know, it's, it'd be hard to know really what to do. Yeah, because I heard like it gets so disoriented that you could be upside down, like just like you know, free diving. If you're you know getting lack of oxygen, like you'd be upside down and like. Oh uh, yeah, you're not, not you're not gonna know. Yeah, not not have a clue, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, that'd be brutal. I would not want to have that happen. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's pretty pretty lame. Yeah, but then you're going through a course this winter, right? To- yeah, so I I'm uh, taking time off from the Yellowstone Club this winter. Um, you know, personal reasons, stepping out of that whole re- world. And, uh, obviously I got a knee injury, so I yeah. can't ski patrol anyways. Um, but yeah, I'm taking my professional avalanche, um, safety course here in February. should be good to go skiing by then, at least just light duty. And, um, yeah, yeah that's like a, uh, avalanche courses. You can either go rec recreation track or you can go professional track. Um, professional track is just more nitty gritty. You're kind of doing more drain identification and pit digging and, um, you know, beacon like safety recovery stuff where recreation is more like route finding and decision making. Yeah. Um, so this is a bit of a, a step up and I, I do eventually plan to like go back to patrolling or ski guiding or, um, snow forecasting. Yeah. Um, as a winter job, I just really love it. Um, and yeah. it's just like, you know, it's also my hobby is backcountry skiing is something I, I love doing. Yeah, man. Like, um, yeah, what's we'll blast out your social media at the end of this so people can follow like the stuff that you guys do, man, is, is super cool. Yeah. And it, it's, it's cool. I, you know, just moving to Missoula, I've got a bunch of my fire buddies who are also into it and, you know, they're out skiing all the time. And yeah, right now I'm just kind of riding the snowmobile and telling them around and limping off the sled and, you know, digging a pit and waiting hours in the cold yeah until i come back yeah um but uh i don't know still still part of it at this yeah. moment yeah totally man yeah part of the team there and and uh yeah it's like 
like the guiding thing, I don't know, you don't know enough about it, but man, if you like somehow could like take your like crew and like guide some folks, I think it'd be like a really good time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, you need like licenses and insurance and all that, you know, all that jazz. shenanigans. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, there are guiding outfits around in the area. Um, but that'll, that'll happen at some point. Yeah. That'd be cool, man. And like, it's just, you know, like keeping your brain busy in the winter, you know, like we were talking mm-hmm. and I think that helps keeps your body busy and, and having, having something to look forward to after the season ends, you know, like I think like when you said earlier, like travel mm-hmm. is big, you know, and a lot of people get, leave the country. Like when I first started, it seemed like people just go live in Thailand for the winter because they could save money. And then it was like a, just a cool getaway, you know, yeah. get some warm weather, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would be so sick. I would love to just go live, just come to Japan for the winter and ski. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's opportunities to do that. Um, Definitely, man. I didn't realize, like, you know, just not knowing anything that um, Japan being, you know, the one bigger island, but there's, like, a bunch of islands. And, like, north of the main island, I think, is, like, a lot of really good skiing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just saw, like, a, a travel thing on P- Montana PBS. And then oh, yeah. it just worked out that one of my really good buddies who's on the Billings Fire Department, him and, like, he has, a like, a venture crew, too, like, a group of just fire fire folks and everybody, you know, like, it seems like healthcare people that'll go on these adventures and they had, a, they had a plan i can't remember what happened but they ended up having to cancel their, their japan trip maybe it was like covid spiked or something again oh yeah maybe something yeah something kind of derailed it but mm-hmm. man like I, so I started looking at it more after he was gonna go and i had no idea man like i always thought like you go to like you know the swiss alps or you know like uh, isn't, isn't like france got a bunch of really good mountains too yeah i mean there's i got a guidebook right here that's all about you know the uh, European Alps and everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's just there's epic terrain everywhere. It's not just in the Rockies. It's not just in the Cascades or the Sierras. It's like, you know, the the world is full of epic places to ski. You know, yeah. just watch a Warren Miller film and yeah. know, looking at you know skiing in Morocco or some random <laughs> shit like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. It's, it's super obscure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, you know, just like fire, it's like there's these occupations that can take you all over the world. You know, and um, it, it's fun to it's fun it's fun to, to follow. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a really good point there too about like opening doors. You know, like the to like travel, and I think that's a big um, kind of center point for all of us. I guess you know, kind of a mm-hmm. binding factor that we all have is like all of us like to travel in the in the wildland world. It feels like so it's what's going to get you to go more places. Like smoke jumping. You know, like when I got into smoke jumping, I felt like I was getting more places you know like yeah got to go to that was when i got to go to alaska i got to fight a bunch of fire in california and nevada utah like it just mm-hmm. more than i would have on like any other crew that i'd been on so i was like sure. oh, this is cool you know and then um then like met more people in the j- jump world that I'd travel more and have the travel bug and was like starting to do that you know like uh-huh. and then you know things got derailed but it's like super cool man i i feel like um going to see more places is like kind of what i want my life to be you know yeah it's just like a good way to like broaden your horizons and understand humanity more yeah. so because you get in such and in, in just stuck in these bubbles you know like the bubble of like i lived in bozeman for so long and, yeah. and you know people in missoula talk so much shit on bozeman but it's like yeah bozeman is a total bubble of just like white people recreation and, yeah. and like kombucha you know, like, it, yeah, exactly. But like, it, you know, and, and Missoula is kind of the exact same thing. I think Missoula's got a lot more going on, but really, you know, to what extent, you know, so yeah. you're really not going to like understand more about like, humanity and how people work unless you're like 
actively going to different parts of the world and seeing how different people live. Yeah. And you can do that, you know, within Montana, you know, there's like a, a pretty large um, gap in just like lifestyles here, you know, from yeah. like a ranching, agricultural aspect to the Native American aspect to, you know, like a blue collar aspect to a white collar aspect. Like yeah. all those things exist in the state. Um, it's just a matter of getting out of, you know, Bozeman or Missoula. Right. And experiencing that. Yeah, totally. And, um, you know, yeah. same thing with the U S like the U S is a bubble, you know, you can go to Honduras for a month and ex- explore, you know, yeah, something going on there and, and just totally be humbled and, and understand your place in the world. Maybe. A little, oh a little man. Better. Yeah. That actually like brought an idea of something I want to talk to you about too. Yeah. Like, so you kind of, you, you plugged me on accident, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, Honduras. So, so that like made me think like Costa Rica and then surfing and like, forgot to even talk to you like you're uh you're a, a river wave surfer as well right and, yeah an ocean surfer yeah we uh we joke on the on the fire crew we have a um with a bitterroot surf crew yeah because after our first roll we sat for i think two or three weeks and i just surfed in missoula every single day like i would drive really? back from darby and surf or i'd you know we get a three-day weekend and i would i'd bring my phone out to the island hook it up to a, like a speaker and wait oh. for a call and i would just surf yeah and, god uh, that sounds awesome yeah, it was a very, very hilarious time. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me is such a good break. Like you could, you know, you could have like a bunch of stuff going on. It could be like pretty busy fire season. Like in the back of your head, you're still like waiting for the phone call. But then like you're also like you can't surf and, and be that distracted because you're not going to mm-hmm. be able to like surf, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Well, I mean, it, it was it was pretty anxious surfing for sure. Yeah, I bet. Uh, but uh, not, not totally breaking away. But I think it's like the best thing you can do. Otherwise, like. I mean, we've all been on the callback where it's like, you kind of, you do your laundry, you know, you get some food, maybe mm-hmm. get some snacks for the next roll, and then it's like, uh, watch yeah. TV, or... Well, I don't mean, know, my perspective on callback is just different, like, I think callback's dumb, man. I don't it's, like it either. Yeah, it's just like, you want me to be like, yeah, I'll have my bags packed, you know, my boots, my tool, all my gear, it'll be like, ready to go at a moment's notice, but like, I'm not going to put my entire life on pause for 72 hours on my weekend no. just because there's a chance I can get a call. It's like, yeah, if it's like July and you know, the sit report is stacked and I'm like, okay, I know what's going on. Yeah. You know, but like if it's like, you know, May and it's pretty mellow, it's like, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to take it easy. Yeah. You know? I, I totally agree, man. And I've, I've always been like one, you know, like bringing up the point of like all that stuff, right? Like we should be getting paid as long as we're not in our beds, we should be getting paid, you know, like it's cause you know, I, I can't go home after the fire shift ends, you mm-hmm. know, I'm sitting in a f- dirty field, you know, like, and I guess they're giving us meals, but like they, there should be some, just a little stipend even like, and I think that would be like more responsibility for, mm-hmm. you know, you could get people to stay in camp and stuff and like more, um, I don't know what ownership of it, right? Like you just like, well, you're getting paid to stay here. So that's why you guys stay in camp. Cause there's, like, I remember when I first even started, there was like kind of the gripe, like, why are we like, why don't we just like go to a hotel or anywhere else in camp? Cause camp's noisy. Yeah. You got the camp crud. Like there's not a lot of good things about staying in a big camp, you know? Fire camp sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I hate staying in fire yeah, camp. It's so loud. Someone's always slamming a door all night long. It's yeah. like some, somebody just got to be slamming a big truck door all night long and, uh, and a generator that's just running. Oh, you know? totally. And there's a light on somewhere and yep. you're just like never sleeping. Oh, in the blue rooms, man, are just getting slammed. Someone's slamming a blue room door too, yeah. like throughout the night. Those bastards. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like not even like no thought that other people are sleeping, you yeah. know? Well, that's the beauty of the shot crew, you know, it's like we're usually just in and out of camp. We're going to spike out somewhere yeah. and camp somewhere else. Yeah, totally. You know, 
then you guys do more MREs that way too, huh? Well, I mean, we'll send someone to get meals. Oh, good. You know? Yeah, send a truckload to get meals and bring the meals back. And there's just, you know, the, the logistics of trash to figure out. Yeah, um, true. Yeah, no, we, we generally stay out of fire camp unless we unless this makes you know perfect sense to stay there yeah that sounds like a way better deal there man i mean another, another benefit benefit for the shot world there you know yeah i mean going going type one you know it's like you're you're kind of a module of you know of your crew and your overhead is like you know basically your division yeah you you have your own you're you know you don't have your own autonomy as a gs4 <laughs> on the dig uh but your crew has a lot of its own autonomy and and that's what's really cool about a shot crew is yeah. you guys kind of operate um, differently. Yeah, and if you're in a really good shot crew that you can, like, trust and stuff, too, I think it helps with that, too. It's like, I know we're going to be doing good work, and if it's going to be a bad, you know, something bad that we can't do or unsafe, you know, like, yeah. my soup's going to turn that down. And, you know, it's not it's like one less thing you got to kind of, like, think about. Like, you always want to be aware of your own safety and the crew's safety, but it's not as big a factor, I think, if you got a soup that you really like and trust, you know? Yeah, totally. So it's like, yeah. And then to the pay, like thing it was going to tag into too was like if you're gonna be you know two hour callback like that's a requirement right like you mm-hmm. should there should be a stipend for that too i think you know yeah like getting paid well in callback and you know a lot of times you are it's like you're on like and you're on r&r true you know and you're getting paid days off i guess that well you're not really in callback no because yeah, yeah if you're not an r you can kind of just jet yeah yeah i don't know then yeah. yeah. So folks who don't know R and R is just like your rest and relaxation time. You get paid for it if it's on a work day. So that's kind of the, the downside. Like if you end up coming back off a two and you gotta go two week assignment, mm-hmm. fourteen days. And now it's three days, I guess. Yeah, you get three days off. Three day paid off R and R. Yeah. And unless it unless your R and R is over a, your weekend and you don't get paid. Don't get paid, yeah. Super dumb. It is, yeah. You should you should because yeah. like it the way it should be is it should be earned, right? You get 14 days. That should be the hard number, right? You get yeah. 14, and then you get three days paid no matter what days that they are. Yeah. You know, like, it shouldn't that shouldn't be a factor. And then what I was thinking, too, if you're on a call, like, if it's your day off and you're not an R&R, because then if you're an R&R, you're not supposed to be available for fire, typically, because mm-hmm. it's your paid day off, and that's your day to recover. So when you're on a, a non-R&R day of your, of your day off, like, if you're just working, like, a normal 40-hour week and on a shot crew and on, well, jumpers, too, like, I have pretty much everybody um you are available on your weekend you're not like paid available but mm-hmm. you're available because you're not an r&r you know so it's like if you're if if someone's going to put you available and that should probably be on like your supervisor it should have the option to be like things that like you said things are getting heavy we're getting some storms yeah. whatever's happening you know the fire danger is going up all over you know and so um you know we're gonna have to have you guys be available we're gonna pay you for your weekend two-hour callback be ready you know, and then also it's going to keep you honest. You're probably not going to go get trashed, you yeah. know, like if you know you might be going on fire, you know, and all that good stuff. Like it, I think it just helped kind of clean up everything that way. And Yeah, I agree. And That'd make, be nice. Yeah, cause, and, that's the, and that's the biggest thing that, you know, has been on all the social media is like getting, you know, wildland firefighters more paying benefits, you mm-hmm. know. And, and I know they're working on the system. Like when I was in dispatch last year, they were talking about like, you know, the, the it's from the forest FMO down and i don't know maybe even for soup was talking about like trying to get that schedule of like you know more structure city fire like where it's like we got these days are on and then these days are off you Mm -hmm. know like more of a shift kind of schedule like that Mm -hmm. so it's like which would also make it way easier because then you know on the weekends sometimes people scatter and you're like man we got lightning bus came through and we can't get a hold of anybody on yeah that's switching the district level can be kind of tough maybe going up to 25 might help that because you you only need like 19 i think yeah. Or 20. Well, I don't know. There was times this year where 
we were rolling of 19 people. Yeah. I you know, this... injuries are different things. People were out. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but, I can't remember, like, cause, yeah, there's a different thing, because especially, like, I remember, you know, in the fall when, like, if shot crews or crews had students, mm-hmm. there's some way you could, like, shorten that number down, like, justify, like, we're, you know, we're going out as a as a crew, but we're not at 20 at full capacity or right. whatever. And I think know? it's just a matter of, like, keeping, you know, enough, like, type, like, firefighter ones. Quals. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's all about quals right at that point, like, who is qualled up. And yeah, because, yeah, we had the same thing as a, when I was crew boss in the Northern, too, is, like, we had to make sure, like you said, we had... Type fives, so we could bust in different modules and type ones f- mm-hmm. for the squad boss stuff to be the type two IE crew. And then I'm not sure what the difference with the type one is, what the qual is, like a task force or something. I can't remember. Oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's something, something more in depth, like I don't mm-hmm. know, type fours maybe or something. I can't, I can't remember. Stuff I used to know, but you know, it's all kind of fading. Yeah, typing is all confusing, anyways. Yeah, and it kind of changes yeah. from time to time too, and especially with these new crew, like set up, bumping mm-hmm. everything up 25 and stuff. So I think. Mm-hmm parameters will change a little bit for that too and kind of availability um so surf the river mm-hmm. and you ocean surf as well yep uh yeah i kind of got the surfing bug um out here on the yellowstone river on the yellowstone yeah on the yellowstone i uh, did not expect you to say that. i thought you were gonna see brennan's wave <laughs> no yeah i know there's lots of waves in the yellowstone and kind of had a crew of homies um back in bozeman i worked up for a uh, whitewater waf- raft company for a little bit Oh, cool. And um, got into kayaking and explored the uh, Yellowstone River and found these waves. And then, yeah. you know, I heard about river surfing. I was like, well, that sounds kind of sick. Yeah, let's try that. So yeah. The first wave I actually ever stood up on was this wave called Drake Cliff, way eastern Yellowstone. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I surfed there and then got to know all the Yellowstone spots by just, like, hopping in the river on my surfboard and floating, like, you know, tens of miles. Really? Um, yeah, and finding spots and kind of had a surf crew out there, Montana surf team. Yeah. A uh, bunch of buddies and they're all good friends of mine. And then, um, yeah, we always knew Missoula was a scene, you know, that's where the main surf scene was in, in Montana. Yeah. Um, Brendan's Wave being, a, you know, a, a big contender there. So it was really fun to finally um, surf Brennan's um, beginning of the summer while it was good. And that wave is like absolutely perfect. You know, yeah. Sick. And then in Idaho, there's that wave called Pipeline, which is just massive. There's just so much water running That's through it. I heard, man. Yeah, because yeah, KB, you know, who I just mm-hmm. had on, he was, you know, I was kind of tagging along with him one spring and just trying to trying to figure out the river surfing world. And I'd surfed mm-hmm. in the ocean, um, you know, in Hawaii and California. And so I was like, and, oh, I guess, uh, shit, in Florida too. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was trying to, you know, I, I struggled with the river, man. I only, I only like, really hit Brennan's once. So I was trying and I, I kept getting spit out and stuff. So I was like, KB, you took me out to, um, Alberton. What's the name of that wave there? Oh yeah. Just the gorge zero there. Wave. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. So he took me out there, but it's kind of gnarly. And he had another new guy. And he's like, ah, I don't know if I can really manage both yet. And so I just kind of watched and like try to take notes. And then, then he was heading out to uh, pipeline. He said, right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and it was going, he's like, man, I guarantee you'll, you'll stand up on that one. And I was like, all right, man. And then, uh, it's kind of deep compared to like, where I was living, so I, yeah, I'm not making it down there, but yeah, well, that wave's just gnarly. I mean, it's just like it, it, it's very surgy, you know, it, it's green and glassy, but it'll like it'll build and build and build and then it'll, it'll just crash on you. Oh, really? Yeah, and it, it's kind of fun. It like it you know, it's almost looks almost looks like it's barreling or like a, like an ocean wave, like, oh, really? a, like a wave is you know standing up and crashing on itself, yeah. Um, but it's just a much bigger, more powerful wave, a lot more water running through there, it's pretty loud too. Super loud, yeah. That one's that one's really fun. 
So, and it's just different, you know, like river surfing. It's like your body position on your board is super important. The way, the way you it. pop up on your board is super important. Um, you know, and like the way you read the river and the wave is super important too. Everything is very transferable to the ocean, right? Like the way you position yourself in the ocean to catch, you know, the wave coming in, like your, your point in time has to be impeccable. Yeah. Um, same with your, you know, your drop and your stance on your board, but it's all, it's all like a little bit different. Like, you know, it, ocean trips are usually trips I do after the fire season and Oh, dude. Yeah, I didn't get to do that this year either. But yeah. um, I'm going to ask you about that in a minute, too. Remind me. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like um, yeah, cause it's a total, totally different world. And it's pretty unique to have in Montana. So cool, yeah, man. And, like, and Idaho and Colorado yeah. and Washington, you know. Yeah. People are river surfing everywhere. Yeah, I remember uh, me and my wife were, I don't know, we were just, like, roaming around early in Missoula one morning. And, like, some folks had, were down there in Kara's Park and mm-hmm. just suiting up to go in the hit Brennan's wave. I remember just like being like, God, what a great way to start your morning, man. Like folks in the back of Toyotas and Subarus sipping coffee with their half their wetsuit on, just hanging, you know. Yeah, like, that's pretty man. much the beginning of my fire season. It was just like, all right, we're not on a fire. So I'm a, I literally lived in Karis Park really? for like, I think like at least a week. I mean, I'd, I'd go to my buddy's alleyway and camp in the alley in my truck, but I would roll to Karis Park early in the morning Yeah, and yeah, make the coffee and get the wetsuit on and go hop in man what a great start to the day dude yeah, it was sick it was so, really sick and like something about and kb touched about a little bit too about getting like nature into the water like it's like you got like that life juice of the water just getting in there and starting yeah, the day with it you know right well i mean it's like this is a whole other you could do a whole other podcast topic on this but like it's just like moving water there's a lot of energy in that yeah and that's really like invigorating and, and healthy to be in and around you know yeah, yeah. So, cold uh, getting that cold plunge in the morning yeah. you know mm-hmm. yeah i'm with you there man and so i was gonna ask you about the um i was almost cutting you off so i was getting excited because like i i kind of talked to kb about this a little bit but it's been a while i i kept getting spit out by brennan's and it was like perfect like these mm-hmm. little groms were just ripping it and the island was like you know underwater mostly but it's still like you could hang out in it mm-hmm. like it was calf to knee deep and which is kind of cool mm-hmm. and my brothers both caught it but man i i like i was on a foamy and i was having a little trouble even like paddling it over like controlling mm-hmm. that little sucker and i didn't have a ton of uh surfing hours in me at that point just in the ocean at yeah. that point and man i feel like it kept you know like a wave like ocean wave catches and you feel it just like push you know like you're like oh yeah. i got it you know and i'd feel a little bit and i'd, I'd either get like just like peeled off my board and mm-hmm. like sent out or like i'd go to stand and then i just get booted i'm like man yeah it's it's just completely weight distribution on your board and you're the too far far forward or too far back yeah and it's like you gotta you gotta find that sweet spot i think i was getting too far back because i was so worried about like yeah. pearl diving like nose diving into it right. so like well, if you're too far back your board's gonna plane up and then you there's more service area for your for the water to push against your board right oh yeah if you're more forward your board's more planed out along with the river surface so it's just gliding easier but yeah if you're too far forward then you, you know your ramp angles you can nosedive. Oh, actually, right. yeah. Now that you're saying, I'm actually, I think I was nosediving because I think it was peeling me off. You know, mm-hmm. like I would start to catch it and I think it would shove me down and oh, yeah. peel me off. Yep. Yeah. God, that makes sense. Yeah, it's all. I yeah. just need, need you to explain it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But the problem is I'd be so gassed, you know, like yeah. after like one round, man. Like, Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's like hot lapping a yeah. wave, you know, that's, you don't get that in the ocean. Like you can literally just repeat rinse and repeat and and um like you could you could get in the wave get flushed out get back to the rip the island and jump back in 
within 90 seconds. Yeah, dude. You know, and do it again. Yeah, the first, probably probably the first, like, I don't know, 30 minutes, I was, like, dry heaving because of it, you know, because, like, <laughs> yeah. I was just, like, a dog chasing a ball. I was just, like, this is so awesome. And, like, that eddy works so great, man. I get kicked out. I'd hit the eddy, you know, mm-hmm. and then it kind of bring me back a little close to the island. Then I could walk and then walk up. Oh, eddy service, baby. Once you're in the eddy, you just float there, and it just, like, takes you right back up the river. Yeah, it's so awesome, man. Like, that design, I mean, that is really smart, I think. Yeah. yeah I don't know if that was an accident or if that was no, that, that That's just how rivers work. It's yeah. Just like any eddy. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, just the way they built the wave on either side of that oh, island, yeah, right? Yeah. Just no one to put it there. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was that was good thought. Whoever had the planning on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Totally. Because yeah, I was because I, I you know in my head and just watching folks, but most of the time I was just watching folks were done for the day. I think so they'd mm-hmm. ride the wave, get kicked out, and then they hit the shore and be done. Mm-hmm. So like I didn't realize like the eddies in the middle. I mean, it's just like you said, just science. Like it just that's how a river works. But my brain wasn't working on that level until I was mm-hmm. in it, and I was like, oh, it's so nice. Yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> yeah. You just like float right back up yeah that's yeah, pretty funny man it's, yeah it's so mm-hmm. cool um yeah so you'd probably be back surfing this spring then huh yeah yeah super excited i might try to sneak a surf trip in before the season starts yeah like back uh, out back to, back out to Oregon. yeah way. i go to like washington i got a buddy out there and i spent a lot of time there as a kid um i just really love the pacific northwest dude uh, that the pictures you were showing me man like mm-hmm. you know just talking you know about getting my family out there especially with the airstream i was like man just love just to go pop out there for like a long weekend even you know yeah and it's just special out there you know it's like everything's different it's very dense ecosystem yeah green and lush and i think that because of the humidity too like i like going somewhere humid like right after fire season because it's just like we've been so dry mm-hmm. yeah because we're in the lowest humidity typically in the nation you know fighting fire you know so yeah it's like, you're always in that low rh zone yeah mm-hmm. so i think like my body craves some, some humidity and i just think about like going out the coast or like down south or something to get some humidity in sure. my system. yeah that, that makes sense yeah yep well, shoot man I, I'll, I'll keep talking you're off man and i, I want to make sure you get get a your exercise and stuff you know? oh yeah what we've been going for a minute huh yeah i got about an hour and 37 on the old uh thing did, did you leave anything else off man that you want to talk about um I don't know. We kind of just rambled through a bunch of a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Fucked up life on a hotshot crew, skiing, avalanche safety a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of photography. And yeah. Now we're just, yeah, man, we're, I guess you and I, you know, you're kind of recovering from a little Crohn's flare up. Yeah. On day two on a knee injury. And uh, yeah, yeah tactical pause. We just got to like sit through these next few months and focus on health and healing and yeah getting ready to get back to it absolutely man like you said keep the mind active and uh social i meant to plug that earlier like i think the issue a little bit and i want to just keep beating this this dead horse but um you know you don't have anything to do you don't have anything to report right so you don't like call up your homies and be like hey what's going on and they're like nothing what are you doing nothing Uh okay you know like so there's like nothing to report so you like yeah, but if you're doing something cool, like, hey, man, I'm going to go do this. You want to come? Or, like, hey, I just did this. Like, mm-hmm. you, know, you have something to talk about, like talking points. Yeah. So I think that kind of feeds to, like, the mental health part of, like, the decline in mental health is, like, when you don't have anything to do, mm-hmm. you have nothing to report, you have nothing to, like, engage with. So you're like, well, I don't know. I guess I'm just hanging, you know? Like, and I think it kind of feeds that, that bad mental health state. I yeah, guess. exactly. But even just, like, you know, just shooting the shit with somebody is super helpful. Like, this, this was a really fun way to break up my recovery weekend you yes. know like i'm home alone right now so yeah when um, he yeah when he told me that i was like yeah dude let's do it you yeah, know? yeah i was just like that's yeah that sounds fun yeah i was like i'm in man because i and, and like busy you know like we're all busy like but you are you know you're super active and nomadic like you know like you yeah 
And like my whole ability to regulate my emotions is based on how active I am. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do shit. No, I'm with you, man. You know, like, like, yeah, it just sucks, dude. It does, dude. But yeah, you'd be better on the other side, man. And I'm going to get some stem cells. So eventually at some point this winter, I've got two different appointments for Mexico, Tijuana, and then mm-hmm. uh, in Texas. Nice. Ways to well. So yeah, well, keep me updated. I'd love to know how yeah. it's going. Yeah. I've heard the stem cell meniscus regrowth is a huge thing too as i was thinking about doing that yeah that's exactly why i was bringing it up because yeah, i heard that you know like um they go replace old cells and help build on on injuries so mm-hmm. kind of i'm hoping i have a little spillover from my guts to help kind of um improve the my joints you know because i've got yeah. miles on everything now you yeah know? sure 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 but shoot man what uh social media um god I, i'm i'm gonna keep slipping into like long stuff because you got a lot going on like oh, this yeah. sweet camper you built which I'm not going to go into it now, but when we do our follow-up, yeah, then we'll we talk about the camper life. In the camper, yeah. Yeah, in the camper. That'd be cool, dude. Yeah. Or, or We'll, we'll have a, our rigs parked next to each other. Yeah, at we least. can just go park the rigs somewhere majestic yeah. and set up a, a, a nature podcast table. Oh, dude. Sunset rigs. Yeah, like yeah, you could get back your truck and next to the airstream or something. Yeah, backdrop. Yeah, yeah, that'd be sick. I'll let you set that up, Max. You get a little little more uh, um, artistic eye for that, I would say. Yeah, and experience. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess social. uh, I'm not really on Instagram too much. No, Um, I just have like a personal account, and that's yeah, that's 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 that. Um, you, You can take me. It's just og doggy. That's it. Yeah, I'll tell you, man. Cause like, just uh, the the nomadic like stuff you're doing. Unless you don't want people to follow you, I'll I'll, I'll leave yeah, alone. But I don't really give a shit. Uh, yeah, I kind of figured, dude. <laughs> yeah, but follow me or don't follow me. I'm not gonna interact with you on Instagram. <laughs> no, but I think people just like to see like inspiration from what you're doing. You know, like just like the hotshot photos and the mm-hmm. camper build and and just the, the cool places like you yeah. and Kate and and uh, Nick and everybody go and do, man. Sure. Mm-hmm. Especially like the winter activities, man. Like it. Gets because I I know I get inspired just by like watching you like you know I don't I don't really comment too much on Instagram and stuff but like yep. just like seeing you out there you know doing it I'm like man I need to go do something you yeah know? yeah well hell we'll have to get you out because we're always skiing down the Bitterroot so yeah definitely man I gotta I gotta get I gotta get back into skiing because like I was snowboarding I know I could split board but I kind of want to just get back into skiing anyway just for like uh, cross country skiing and stuff you sure know? yeah a little, little more functional that way but uh-huh. yeah I'd love to come hang but uh well shoot man you got anything else. I think I think that's it. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I'm trying to cut myself yeah, off. So my, I don't my, my brain is scrambled. Yeah, I bet, dude. You're uh, two days out of surgery, right? Yeah. Yeah, and all the pain meds and anesthesia. Of, I feel like it all just wore off last night. Oh, and I, I bet. Was just like, I was up to like three in the morning, just like, ow, oh. ow, ow. Oh, that's the worst, man. Yeah. Especially three in the morning, because like, even if you were just fine, like healthy, you would have like a weird hangover at three in the morning, you yeah. know, like being awake but exactly. then having all those meds on top but yeah it's it's the fucking worst <laughs> yeah dude oh the brain fuck sucks you were dude like thank you so much for being on and you are amazing for like what you're going through like thanks dude yeah, yeah. well likewise man everyone's got their challenges and you know you you and i have have uh definitely fostered a relationship uh, you know just be discussing our challenges and it's been a uh, really really fun way to get to know you so. yeah yeah right, right back at you man yeah. uh well, appreciate you being on and uh hope people like this episode and like and subscribe if you already haven't uh thanks everybody